Chapter Seventeen of Virgin Soil, Volume One by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Carnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Markelov's guests were still asleep when a messenger came to him with a letter from his sister, Madame Sipiagin. In the letter, Valentina Mialovna wrote to him of various trifling domestic details, asked him to send her back a book he had borrowed, and incidentally, in the postscript, told him of an amusing piece of news that his former flame mariana was in love with the tutor neshtanov and the tutor with her that she valentina mialovna was not repeating gossip she had seen it all with her own eyes and heard it with her own ears markelov's face grew dark as night but he did not utter one word he gave orders to give the book to the messenger and when he saw neshtanov coming downstairs he said good morning to him just as usual even gave him the promised packet of kislyakov's epistles he did not stop with him though but went out to see after things neshtanov went back to his room and looked through the letters the young propagandist talked incessantly of himself of his feverish activity according to his own statement he had during the last month journeyed through eleven districts been in nine towns twenty-nine villages fifty-three hamlets one farm and eight factories sixteen nights he had passed in haylofts one in a stable one even in a cowshed he mentioned in a parenthetical note that fleas did not affect him he had got into mud huts into workmen's barracks everywhere he had taught preached distributed pamphlets and collected information by the way some facts he had noted on the spot others he carried in his memory on the latest system of mnemonics he had written fourteen long letters twenty-seven short ones and eighteen notes four of which were written in pencil one in blood one in soot and water and all this he had managed to do because he had mastered the systematic disposition of his time taking as his models quintin johnson karelius sverlitsky and other writers and statisticians then he talked again of himself his lucky star and how and with what additions he had completed fourier's theory of the passions declared that he was the first to reach the bedrock that he should not pass from the world without leaving a trace behind that he himself wondered that he a boy of two and twenty should already have solved all the problems of life and of science and that he should turn russia upside down that he would give her a shaking dixie he added at the end of the line this word dixie occurred frequently in kislyakov's effusions and always with two exclamation marks in one of the letters there was a socialistic poem addressed to a girl and beginning with the words love not me but the idea neshtanov marvelled inwardly not so much at mr kislyakov's self-conceit as at markelov's honest simplicity but then came the thought good taste be hanged mr kislyakov even may be of use the three friends all met in the dining-room for morning tea but the previous night's discussion was not renewed between them not one of them was disposed to talk but only solomine was placidly silent both neshtanov and markelov were inwardly perturbed after tea they set off to the town markelov's old servant sitting on his locker followed his former owner with his habitual dejected glance the merchant golushkin with whom neshtanov was to make acquaintance was the son of a wealthy merchant in the wholesale drug business an old believer of the fedosian sect he had not increased his father's fortune by his own efforts as he was as it is called by the russians a joueur an epicurean of the russian stamp and had no sort of aptitude for business he was a man of forty rather stout and ugly pock-marked with small pig's eyes 
he talked in a great hurry stumbling as it were over his words gesticulating with his hands swinging his legs and going off into giggles and in general making the impression of a blockhead and a coxcomb of extraordinary vanity he considered himself a man of culture because he wore german clothes and was hospitable though he lived in filth and disorder had rich acquaintances and used to go to the theatre and protect low music-hall actresses with whom he communicated in an extraordinary would-be french jargon the thirst for popularity was his ruling passion for the name of golushkin to be thundering through the world as once suvarov or potemkin why not now kapiton golushkin it was just this passion overcoming even his innate meanness which had flung him as he with some self-complacency expressed it into the opposition he had at first pronounced this foreign word simply position but afterwards he had learned better and brought him into connection with the nihilists he uttered freely the most extreme views laughed at his own old believer's faith ate meat in lent played cards and drank champagne like water and he never got into trouble because he used to say i have every authority bribed just where it's needed every hole is sewn up all mouths are shut all ears are deaf he was a widower and childless his sister's sons hung about him with timorous servility but he used to call them unenlightened clowns and barbarians and would hardly look at them he lived in a large stone house rather sluttishly kept in some rooms the furniture was all of foreign make in others there was nothing but painted chairs and an american leather sofa pictures were hung everywhere and all of them were wretched daubs red landscapes pink marine views moller's kiss and fat naked women with red knees and elbows though golushkin had no family there were a great many servants and dependents of different kinds under his roof it was not from generosity that he kept them but again from a desire for power so as to have a public of some sort at his command to show off before my clients he used to call them when he was in a bragging mood he never read a book but he had a capital memory for learned expressions the young men found golushkin in his study dressed in a long coat with a cigar in his mouth he was pretending to read the newspaper on seeing them he at once jumped up and fussed about turning red shouting for some refreshment to be brought immediately asking questions laughing all at the same time markelov and solomin he knew meshtanov was a stranger to him hearing that he was a student golushkin laughed again shook his hand a second time and said capital capital our forces are growing learning is light ignorance is darkness i've not a hapeth of learning myself but i've insight that's how i've got on it struck meshtanov that mr golushkin was nervous and ill at ease and that was actually the fact look out brother capiton mind you don't come a cropper in the mud was his first thought at the sight of any new person soon however he recovered himself and in the same hurried lisping muddled language began talking of vasily nikolaevich of his character of the necessity of propaganda he had that word very pat but he articulated it slowly of how he golushkin had discovered a capital new recruit most trustworthy of how it seemed now that the time was at hand was ready for for the lancet at this he glanced at markelov who did not however stir a muscle then turning to neshtanov he started singing his own praises with as much zest as the great correspondent kislyakov himself he said that he had long left the ranks of the benighted that he knew well the rights of the proletariat that word too he had a firm hold of 
that though he had actually given up commerce and taken to banking operations to increase his capital that was only that the aforesaid capital might be ready at any moment to serve the good of the common movement the good so to speak of the people and that he golushkin had in reality the greatest contempt for money at this point a servant came in with refreshments and golushkin cleared his throat expressively and asked wouldn't he begin with a little glass of something and set the example by gulping down a wine glass of pepper brandy the visitors partook of the refreshments golushkin thrust some huge morsels of caviar in his mouth and drank with unflagging punctuality saying come gentlemen a glass of good macon now addressing himself again to neshtanov he asked where he had come from and how long and where he was staying and learning that he was living at sipiagin's he cried i know that gentleman no good and then proceeded to abuse all the landowners of the province of s on the grounds not only of their having no public spirit but of their not even understanding their own interests only strange to say though his language was strong his eyes strayed restlessly about and a look of uneasiness could be detected in them Eshtanov could not quite make out what sort of a person he was and in what way he was of use to them solomine was silent as usual and markelov had such a gloomy face that neshtanov asked him at last what was wrong with him to which markelov replied that there was nothing wrong with him in the tone in which people commonly answer when they mean to give you to understand that there is something but not for you to know golushkin again started abusing someone or other then he passed to praise of the younger generation such talented fellows he declared are appearing among us nowadays such talent ah solomon cut him short with the question who was the trustworthy young man he had spoken of and where had he picked him up golushkin giggled repeated twice ah you shall see you shall see and began cross-questioning him about his factory and its shark of an owner to which solomon replied in monosyllables then golushkin poured out champagne for all and bending down to neshtanov's ear he whispered to the republic and drank off his glass at a gulp neshtanov sipped his solomon remarked that he didn't drink wine in the morning markelov angrily and resolutely drained his glass to the last drop he seemed devoured by impatience here we are wasting our time he seemed to say and not coming to the real matter to be discussed he struck a blow on the table exclaimed sternly gentlemen and was about to speak but at that instant there came into the room a sleek man with a foxy face and a consumptive appearance in a merchant's dress of nankin with both hands outstretched like wings bowing to the party collectively the man communicated something to golushkin in a whisper i'll come directly the latter replied hurriedly gentlemen he added i must beg you to excuse me vasya here my clerk has told me of a little affair golushkin pronounced it thus purposely by way of being jocose which absolutely necessitates my absenting myself for a while but i hope gentlemen that you will consent to take a meal with me today at three o'clock and then we shall be much more at liberty neither solomon nor neshtanov knew what answer to make but markelov answered at once with the same sternness in his face and voice of course we will it would be rather too much of a farce if we didn't i am greatly obliged said golushkin hastily and bending to markelov he added a thousand roubles i devote to the cause in any case have no doubt about that and so saying he waved his right hand three times with the thumb and little finger sticking out as a sign of his good faith he escorted his guests to the door and standing in the doorway shouted i shall expect you at three 
you may expect us markello falone responded well my friends observed solomon when they were all three in the street i'm going to take a cab and go back to the factory what are we to do till dinner time waste our time idling about and indeed our worthy merchant it strikes me is like the goat in the fable neither good for wool nor for milk oh there shall be some wool observed markelov grimly he was just promising some money or isn't he nice enough for you we can't be particular we're not so much courted that we can afford to be squeamish i'm not squeamish said solomon calmly i'm only asking myself what good my presence can do however he added with a glance at neshtanov and a smile i will stay by all means even death as they say is sweet in good company markelov raised his head let's go meanwhile to the public gardens it's a lovely day we can look at the people very well they went markelov and solomon in front neshtanov behind them End of chapter 17